Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. Here to curb your boredom on yet another international break. Nick, Dan, myself, Brandon, coming at you to help break up the monotony uh, unless you're down for a huge drubbing of Cuba, Nick. I mean, it's, it's not the worst thing for us over here in the States. Safe to say the U.S. men's national team um, going to win the World baby. Cup. Going to win the World <laughs> Cup. Um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's been a good international break if your name's Weston McKinney and you score a hat trick in the first 13 minutes. Um, <laughs> other than that, um, it's probably probably been filled with chores around the house Dan probably you know you're buying dining room tables due to boredom uh, I mean Adult. we have to we have to cut this out yeah you know maybe go to the Home Depot you know <laughs> just gotta fill the day with activities I don't know if we'll have enough time we might not have enough time thankfully the international break is almost over and we can get back to Chelsea proper but I mean obviously you know, we keep, as we'll talk about in this episode Chelsea women were in fine form this weekend and that was nice they were fantastic. Uh, but as we jump into this international break episode, we want to give you a theme per usual, and it's obviously the international breaks suck. So uh, kicking it off with a little off topic, though, is let's keep this quick. What is Petr Cech doing? Hero on the ice hockey debut? I This blows my mind, Nick. You know, everyone should know that I am a massive Petr Cech fan. Brought me to the club, like one of my heroes as i grew up playing goalkeeper this is weird i don't like this personally like 
you got a new job, Petter, and you, now you already got a side gig. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I think we were in the text thread when this was announced, and like that he would be playing goalkeeper for the uh, Guildford Phoenix, um, you know, well-known team. Um, I, I don't know who they are. But we all thought this was like a spoof, like a joke. And well, then, I like, sent you guys the actual like, like story link, and you both thought it was made I up. still thought it was a joke. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and apparently his love for hockey goes much deeper than anyone realized. And I guess in his first competitive match, Dan, he, he becomes the man of the match and is a hero, uh, which, of course, you expect. Well, he had a clean sheet in the first period, and then uh, gave up two goals, but then it went to penalties, and you know that that Chelsea DNA, you know, just flowing through his veins, cold as ice, and uh, won a penalty shootout and gets man of the match. Which you know, Brandon, I think in, in that regard we can all appreciate. Yeah, super pump. Like it, I guess it works out because he was you know away, or it was international break, so maybe it's not much to do. But uh, it is way 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 southwest uh of london is where guildford is uh rather confusing to me when we say it's by aldershot i've heard that team name before um no idea really what it's around nothing that i can tell but anyways just it's just a weird thing so i'm interested to hear what everyone else in the chelsea community thinks about big pete uh hanging up the boots for some pads and skates to follow his third love because he's already drumming we already know he's got a drumming career, so this is number three. Yeah, especially if you're a hockey fan. Like, I want to know, like, I'm not a hockey fan, so I don't really get it. But if you're a hockey fan, maybe you can educate us as to how this this will work out. Because Good uh, I just, luck. I need to be educated on this. Um, all right, well, another thing we'll be getting into is obviously the Chelsea women's match. Hashtag London is blue. Uh, and then obviously mailbag, which is what this was kind of all about in the beginning. So we'll be jumping into your questions and answering those. But Dan, real quick, run us through the iTunes reviews so we can get to the good stuff. Yeah, we had Pack Daddy 05, Spready 1971, Chico Six Toes, and Parth 93, all giving some five-star reviews via Apple Podcasts. So we appreciate that. We always are very thankful when we get a chance to read those. Nick's mom didn't fill one this week, so that was great. No, and but, uh, we're just looking forward to a couple more over the next few weeks, uh, you know, rounding out into the uh, 700s in the U.S. Apple uh, Apple Podcast Store, which is great. And you know, almost over a thousand, I think, international, like worldwide. So that's pretty impressive, and we're super thankful for all that help. Well, and I also want to shout out the Milwaukee Blues, um, hey, hey. who who are absolutely hilarious, and they they did a scarf this year that has the Carabao logo on it with their Carabao bombs in the more like they're Carabombs. outstanding Carabombs. Um, so those guys are great, and then the spreading 1971 is a season ticket holder who thinks that. We kind of know what we're talking about, which no, I, we know about. We know about our soccer, double, double-edged sword. There, got to be careful with that. <laughs> um, uh, so, one thing that we want to let you in on, a little secret here. Uh, cats out of the bag. Thanks to social media, we we visited Cobham, right? We when we're back in London, we visited Chelsea's training facility. Uh, got to sit down with Aaron Cuthbert, uh, Mason Mount, Fakayo Tamori, and then we're at Stamford Bridge before a match. Got to sit down with Bobby Tamling. So. Uh, a really cool series of obviously four part series will be coming out about Chelsea's DNA and what does it mean to be Chelsea, especially to some of these players 
uh, who played decades ago, who were there since they were six, and who were maybe new to the club. And it's just brilliant to try to get an idea of, of what that's about. So really excited to bring that to you. Last thing before we get into the 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 match review, though, Nick, are um, some promo codes so you can go get yourself something nice. Yes. Uh, so for those wondering, the World Soccer Shop contest for the three uh, jerseys, home away and third kits, are is over. Uh, we appreciate all the entries, especially the 15 or 20 voice entries that we got. That was amazing. And we hope to utilize that feature a little bit more. Uh, so that's uh, we will pick a winner on Wednesday to help break up the monotony. Um, so look for that. Uh, you know the code LONDONPOD for 10% off at World Soccer Shop. So blah, blah, blah. You know that. And then we will have another uh, jersey contest with two very recognizable uh, faces. Um on our uh, names on the back of the shirts uh, coming out soon. That'll be some sort of shout out deal. Uh, so look for that coming soon. And then Talisman Caps, London Blue 10, you know what's going on there. Uh, that's 10% off $35 or more. So bam. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, part one is the Chelsea Women's Match Review. So excited to get to do this uh, on an international break from the men's team. So if you missed it, Chelsea played Arsenal. All right, a London derby through and through. Uh, it was in the FAWSL. It was at Kings Meadow, which is Chelsea Women's home stadium. And it was this past uh, October 13th, Sunday. And if you missed it, Chelsea 2, Arsenal 1. All right. And uh, the goal scores Arsenal out with a quick lead in the ninth minute. And then Bethany England, who is on fire again this season, 57th minute. And then Maria. Uh, Thor's daughter, 85th minute. She's an outside back getting up. She gets the game winner, 85th minute. So, so fantastic. Dan, uh, we're going to keep this streamlined just like we do for the men. All right. You run us through the lineups. Well, it was a 4-4-2 for those who aren't familiar with the formation, at least uh, in what the wonderful Chelsea women tend to run out in. We have Berger, uh, Mielda, Bright, Erickson, Anderson, uh, Cuthbert, Ingle, G. G was replaced the 85th minute by Spence. Uh, Wrighton, uh, Thorstor was placed uh, replaced her in the 74th minute. Kirby replaced by Bachman in the 74th minute. And Bethany England up top. Telford, Asante, Carter, and Cooper were the unused substitutes in, in this match. All right, so top line stats. Uh, Arsenal edging Chelsea in possession. Arsenal 51% to Chelsea's 49. Uh, Chelsea with 21 shots, eight of them on target, to Arsenal's measly nine shots with three on target. Four corners to three for Chelsea, uh, and one caution to their two cautions. So it's always good to see a little bit of chippiness in it, Nick. Um, but as you look at it, like, so, so the first point is that a lot of people maybe aren't familiar. Arsenal's, they have an 11-match unbeaten streak finally broken by none other than Chelsea women. What did you think of the performance today? So, yeah, if you had a chance to watch this, you will know, or even catch the highlights, you will know that the Chelsea women were dominant in this game. Um, you know, we uh, had uh, Jean Lalashan on uh, a few weeks ago to kind of preview the women's season, and she was pretty... Um, she was pretty certain that the Arsenal women were going to give give it a go for the title again. That they were mm -hmm. pretty strong, um, and you know that uh, you know matches like this were going to be kind of defining for Chelsea's season. I mean, we have to think 
that they don't play as many matches as the as the men do, so there are less chances to kind of regain points in the table. And so this is a huge uh, opportunity for Chelsea to kind of make their claim on this on this league season. They're coming off a four 0 win against Bristol. They take that form into their first league match, Dan, uh, at the King's Meadow, and absolutely crushed it. I mean, the stats kind of help tell the story, but uh, you could argue that Chelsea could have had four, maybe five goals in this game. They were they were rocking. Sure, Kirby very unlucky to not have a goal. Uh, England obviously is just you know immense in attack and probably could have had another beyond her brilliant effort and yeah Chelsea were the best team on the pitch in front of almost 5,000 supporters Uh, I think it was like 49 41 or something in terms of total supporters at King's Meadow again just it's really impressive it was a great result these are the results they are going to need to challenge uh, because ultimately the the table is tight at the moment you know you look at Man City who have uh, gone on four four games, four wins, um, seven goals for, zero goals allowed in leagues right now. So they're on 12 points. We're right behind them with 10. Arsenal right behind us with nine. So you know there's opportunities there, right? You know they we you know we did we we helped out City today, and we're going to need to beat them next, which is going to be a challenge. I mean they won three nothing today, so. Look, it's a it's a great result. We just need to kind of continue this this run of form, Brandon. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be tough. This is a a league where one bad result is gonna doom one of these best three teams, whether that's City, Chelsea, or Arsenal. Right. I mean, like Nick said, there's only 12 teams in the league, so you inherently are gonna play less matches. Uh, what this means in the grand scheme of things, that Chelsea jumped Arsenal to go into second, so it's actually Man City women in first. Chelsea second, Arsenal third, United fourth. All right. Um, yeah, well, I just go, I go back to what Gene said about about you know this is Arsenal's title to lose essentially. They're kind of the Man City men's version of the FAWSL, and and to know that not only did we deliver them their first loss, but it actually jumped us ahead of them on goal difference. It's it's important. Uh, so well, so. Um, yeah, just and just important from a league table standpoint, Nick. The the goals were fantastic too. I mean, like you know, obviously you you look at you know that goal difference. If they awarded style points, we'd be far ahead of um, of Arsenal on the table. Uh, Bethany England's goal, Dan, really well taken. It was a, a good kind of cutback pass that she had to kind of it kind of jumped up on her and she had to kind Two of touch. finish. Yep. And then Maria Thoris' daughter just smashed a goal from 25 yards and I think the goalkeeper got maybe a finger to it to, to kind of deflect it into the net, but it was a fantastic strike. And you think about Arsenal up one nil at half, you know, Chelsea kind of get back into it right, right after halftime ish, right before the 60th minute. And then they finish it off in the 85th minute. They got stronger with the game and Arsenal kind of faded. It was a, it was a weird game because we were, chasing it but we looked better and it was just a fluky goal for uh van de donk who ended up putting them ahead you know less than 10 minutes into the match and i think that this was a fixture last season that we lost five nil and so to kind of turn it around with uh, only a couple of different players on this side versus what we saw last season that that to me it is kind of just testament to emma hayes selecting the right players 
uh, phenomenal substitution, um, setting the team up to go out and take it to Arsenal. And you know, if you're you're not gonna get over twenty shots in a match if you haven't set up the team to be successful. And that that twenty one percent of twenty one shots was with less than half of the possession. So we were making more with what we had, Brandon, than what Arsenal was doing with the time that they were on the ball. Yeah, and it just goes back to, um, you know, I think about the pregame stuff that they put out, you know, the social media team, uh, you know, the the amount of just excitement that the, the women get it. Like, this is, this is no different than the men's side. And as awkward as it was for them to be able to sit Petrček down and interview him about being on both sides of this London rivalry, you know, he even confirmed, he's like, this is one on the schedule that, you, you know, you circle on the calendar at the beginning of the season. It's the same thing for the women. It's probably even more so because on the men's side, Arsenal, not great, right? Not a huge challenger for the title. Arsenal women are leading the title race when it, in, in kind of the standard of quality when it comes to the women's match. So um, huge, huge amount of excitement and drive and fierceness in the competition. Uh, these women battle. Uh, and, and just to watch them be relentless, I think uh, you even get that even if you only you know get short highlighted clips from it. Yeah, I think when you when you look at some of the performances today, uh, I thought Mielda had a fantastic game playing uh, playing in the right back position. Uh, the four four two Dan allows for a lot of width, um, especially if you're uh, if your backs are able to get forward and kind of drive some of your wingers inside to do some more interchange. So while while we don't see the 442 broken out much for the men's side anymore, you know, there's I think 433 and 4231 are kind of preferred there. Uh this was a really great performance defensively from Chelsea as well. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot on offer for Arsenal who are typically really fluid in attack. I mean, look at, you know, um the way that you know Cuthbert was able to kind of push it forward to Fran to get it to England for the first goal, you know that, that's that's only happening because you're getting you're just pushing up further and further, and it, it's really just it's almost creating a kind of claustrophobic moment for Arsenal in, in their own box trying to figure out what to do. And you know, as much as uh, Zinsberger was you know trying to do the best job that she could to to keep us out, I mean, really, you know, England's goal was just not going to be stopped going into the box and uh thor's daughter uh just it, i think that was just shocking that it was taken from uh you know with probably 25 yards out and just popped in there was no stopping or anything really either of those goals brandon so not only did we have dominance on the pitch i loved i couldn't stop retweeting <laughs> all the the women's players saying london is blue a little duh shout out some <laughs> confirmation of things we already knew, but it was great Thanks. to see them jump in and support us like that. <laughs> Good that they're on brand, you know, Thanks. really making sure that they, uh, they really just align with those, uh, those core philosophies of our show. It almost makes it seem like we named this on purpose and not just hmm. on a whim. Hmm. But I think the one that steals the show, we talk about Emma Hayes many times about how sharp she is. We, we were able to have a beer with her one time um how well respected she is not even in the women's game just in the game period i mean she has been um her name has been thrown around as the first woman to make the jump to the men's game she's on sky sports i mean she can break down everything and she's so well done 
Oh, she she also was speaking at the uh, the Stats Bomb inaugural conference sure that did. they were doing in London this past week too. So I mean, if she is popping up in a lot of forums and it's not just because she has led the Chelsea women's team to a high level of consistency and glory it's that she's an astute footballing mind in general is it because of her singing as well Brandon or <laughs> well what? exactly and that's what kind of led us to it she got to, you know metaphorically let her hair down a little bit and have some fun and she she posted this on uh, on her own Twitter profile saying Kaz and I want to thank the fans for the song sheet we have been practicing our fans are the difference London is blue blue heart and uh, it's a short video literally of her and Kaz taking a stab at two of the chants the songs that the fans sing um, uh, and it was so much fun to see again that deeper connection uh, that 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 you know she's able to have with those those fans that come week in week out well we're you know we have been lucky enough to to meet her i mean she made us coffee at cobham for for god's sake and she we we know that she's funny and dynamic and tough in training and tactically astute and all these things and you know i think what Jean pointed out in our season preview is that last season was not good enough for her um she holds the team to a higher standard and i think uh, so far with some of the moves that were made in the offseason, Dan, and the way that the team has kind of come out this season, they know the margin for error is very small, and I think they're taking that approach to every game. Well, this this was a game where a point would not have been the worst possible thing. I mean, you take two off Arsenal, we get one, and you still kind of keep some parity with, with, you keep you know almost at pace with City. The fact that the double substitution came in the 74th minute and that really propelled us forward to the result that we ended up having. Uh, you know, once Spence came on and once uh, Thor's daughter came on, it, it made all the difference. And so, I mean, I think a huge credit for the initial selection and not kind of deviating from the path early enough and then knowing the right moment to make the substitution, who to put in appropriately and allow them to play the type of dominant, you know, heavy possession and just relentless attack and it ended up paying dividends so yeah i mean i think we're very lucky as chelsea supporters to have such a wonderful manager who is uh, not not willing to just accept that a draw is the best option and to go for uh, you know much like uh, frank rather go for the win potentially than uh, try to seek out the the easy draw brandon no it definitely wasn't easy one way or the other but she got the job done again it's just it's it, she's playing the game at such a high level and in keep an eye on this team i mean they're they're incredible um they did the at chelsea fcw account did run a m- m- performance uh player of the match poll uh you know, i'm just trying not it's to not, it's not a it's not a dan of the match poll right it you know i it can't be i was i was getting tripped up because my mind i'm like that's what we do but it's not it's, it was player of the match uh, they had Marin Mjeld, Ji Soyeon, Fran Cheska Kirby, Fran? Fran? and Bethany England, right? Going with Fran, huh? Francesca. <laughs> this just seems much more British. But anyways. Super, uh, super Fran. <laughs> um, it was a tight race, Dan. I, I won't spoil the results. I'll let you do that. But man, those top three. <laughs> well, yeah, it was almost a, a three-way split there with uh, England taking 31%, Kirby taking 30 and 
Jiso Yoon taking 29%. Um, Marin just with, with 10. But uh, again, I, I think this was a, a team performance. The team is the winner of this. And then the uh, Chelsea women supporters who were out in fine voice and fine form to rally behind the team uh, would have been the, uh, the, the best possible fifth option available. All right. Well, let us know what you thought about the women's match. Painting London blue across all of the teams at Chelsea is so important. Uh, let us know what you think. And uh, what we're going to do is transition into the mailbag portion of the podcast. That's what we usually do in international breaks. You can ask us questions, anything you want, and we will jump in. So we're going to take a really quick break. And when we are back, we're going to go ahead and jump into that. So thank you to the sponsor for supporting the podcast. All right, so here we go. We asked for questions on social media, and boy, did you all <laughs> deliver. So we're going to do our best to work through a mix of Chelsea football-specific questions, and maybe something a little more off the ball, I, I would say, a little, a little off-topic for a Chelsea podcast. But anyways, um, what we're going to do is, like I said, try to get through as many as we can, but you know, no promises. Apologies if we didn't get to yours Uh Time is limited. So first one up is from at Ropa. Aceropa is what I'm going to guess. A little Spanish there. And they asked, have we switched our expectations of placing and trophies after the past couple of games? Uh, Nick, do you think our expectations have changed? Is, is Are trophies no longer the standard for Chelsea this season? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think th- this season is going to be very interesting in terms of like, the the kind of top six top eight movement um where i think you know we we kind of expected this to be a slower start maybe for chelsea this season while we got our sea legs together and i think frank kind of instituted his system we've also had to look at some of those other teams that are competing for those spots manchester united severely underperforming ole is still at the wheel as of today which is shocking um they're bad tottenham Tottenham's imploded. Uh, I have no idea what's happening Best over there. Football, American football stadium in London. That's what yeah. it's, that's what it is now. It's not a, a football maybe, stadium. Maybe we can ask Yan Vertonghen what's going on. Lots of lots of touchdowns being scored there. I'll say that. Um, you know, when you look at like a Leicester City, which you know is a, a, a was a really solid pick for for a top four challenger. They're performing at or above expectations. And so you kind of look at the placing, and Chelsea are now in fifth place uh, as of today. We're behind Arsenal, City, Liverpool, and Leicester. Um, You know, I think we're in a pretty good position right now. The team has to keep growing. There's going to be players that are coming back from injury. There's more players that are apparently injured on this international break. All that being said, I thought we would make a solid cup run. Um, I don't know if I had us winning a trophy or not. I don't think so. But I had us in, in sixth. And so, so far, they're outperforming my expectations then. It's it's top four in a trophy. Uh, that's the expectation I would have. That's the expectation I'm going to maintain. You know, Whether it's a Carabao Cup, whether it's the FA Cup, we'll win one of those two. Uh, I don't think it will be the Champions League, unfortunately. Not this year. Maybe next year. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, as you look at you know, what Tammy Abraham is continuing to do, what Mason Mounts are providing, um, defense. I mean, we're about to be on a, a very, very nice run of games. Yeah, we, we got front-loaded with some more difficult games early in the season, and now we're getting into a period while, yes, we're going to have multiple games, you know, three games a week pretty regularly. 
or two games a week uh, on top of each other, I think the competition is going to put us in a situation where we can continue to be successful. And by the time December rolls around, yeah, I think we'll be firmly top four and you know deeper in some of these cup competition runs. So I, I'm excited. I think it's all it all feels great. It's all exciting. Yeah, you know, we could we could finish tenth, and I probably would still be absolutely happy with what we're doing right now as long as we continue to see some of those young players develop. But I, I think we will not have to worry about that, Brandon. I have to challenge that a little bit. I think it's easy to yep. say you would be okay if we were in tenth, unless we were actually in tenth. Because if you're in tenth right now, you'd be struggling. Like we would, we wouldn't be. Well, as I mean, harmonious. You'd, be, you'd be three points below where we are right now if we were in tenth. Well, it's yep. also we've done this podcast when we were tenth, <laughs> and it wasn't fun. Um, it sure wasn't. You know, so like I, I understand it. And like there are a ton of good vibes happening. This team is performing there's a ton of young talent that we're excited about this is way different than jose part two when things were just kind of oh yeah because we were also 17th yeah. before getting to 10th that season we had to climb up from that we, we really achieved <laughs> what a, a lot chaos yeah. is a ladder nicholas yeah. oh i'm i'm well aware but i i think the way this team is playing and the fact that we're finding goals that we didn't know that we had maybe um is is really encouraging you know, another thing that we can always kind of think about is let's pretend that the transfer window ban or the transfer ban gets lifted in January. You know, if we need reinforcements, that Neymar. opportunity could be there. And it's going to be Neymar. Neymar, know that. nailed it. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. We, we've almost scored 30% of all of our Premier League goals from last season, and we've played just above 20% of the matches. We've yeah, also last, given up. Last season <laughs> sucked. <laughs> Yeah, just winning that big trophy really, really uh, was terrible. So I just want to cap this one off with, I, I do think the expectations have changed. I think that if we don't get top four, I don't think that means Frank is sacked right away. I think that he would be given a grace year. So while on paper the expectation is top four, I think with Ed Nazard leaving a transfer ban, or as Jake Cohen likes to call it technically, a registration ban, I do think the expectations have changed, and rightly so. No other manager has had to go through what Frank is doing, and because of that, uh, you know, I think he'll be judged on the trend of the team rather than the results day by day. And thankfully, the trend is amazing right now, which is what Dan is getting his elation from, and that feel-good dopamine hit week in, week out when Chelsea are playing, as we all are. It is so much fun to watch. You know, capped off with, uh, you know, more England call-ups and debuts happening, even if Tammy got three whole minutes against Czech Republic. Uh, I believe that's essentially to tie him to England for good, but it is what it is. Uh, we played that game in the U.S. All right, next one. Uh, my buddy Taylor, at Taylor underscore M underscore ball, hitting me up specifically saying, what favorite breed of cats do you like the most? Uh, this is a hard <laughs> question, Taylor, because... I've never had cats before. The fact that I'm living with the cat now, this is a this is a new thing for me. So I've got Millie. She's a bit of a stinker. Uh, but as I've been, you know, kind of learning more about cats, as much as I love a Bengal cat, which really looks like a tiger, uh, they kind of act like a tiger. They they are not suitable for humans. Uh, so Norwegian forest cat is what I'm going to go with. So Google it, check it out. They they look badass. Um, dogs under fifty pounds. 
are basically cats, and cats are pointless. Well, so. th- this Norwegian Thanks forest for cat awesome. might get up there. These things look badass. That's kind of my goal. Is like, what's the most masculine looking cat I can find <laughs> out there that can still be domesticated? So Taylor, you're you're putting me in a, an awkward spot now as I'm blushing. Um, the answer is ocelot. <laughs> yeah. I would like an ocelot. I was just watching Archer, but again, they're pissing and puking on everything. <laughs> yes. That doesn't help me. All right, uh, back on topic. Uh, favorite non-Chelsea players. Coming from Aerith Muggle on Discord, you jerk you. Who is your favorite non-Chelsea player currently playing football? Who is your favorite non-Chelsea player since retired? By non-Chelsea player, I mean cannot ever have played for Chelsea. And I call you jerk because that's our question. I don't know why you got to put us in spots like that. So we'll go ahead and corner Dan first because he seems to be the most ready. <laughs> that's never the case. Um, retired, I would go, man, it would have been awesome to see Kaká in his prime play for Chelsea. Or I think Orlando that been... City days. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. His, M- Not the his MLS career. <laughs> Um, that would have been great. Um, man, if he could stay healthy, I, I actually think, you know, not, not to get too kind of crazy about players that left and, you know, maybe shouldn't have left, but like, a De, you know, De Bruyne uh-uh. at Chelsea. Can never have could, played for Chelsea. Nope. Doesn't count. Can never, oh, never have ever? played. Ever. Mm. We can punt. So Nick, do you have a retired player that you want to run with? And then we can circle back. Yeah, this this was going to be Zlatan, but he's not officially retired, so that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Um, trying to think of some of my when I first started watching soccer, the Italian league was really really good, mm-hmm. um, and I was trying to think of like those Inter, you know, kind of AC Milan, you know, but while Juve was still uh, banned for match fixing days, Serie, um, Serie B was a hell of a ride. Yeah, they were they were killing it in Serie B. Um. Yeah, I'm really struggling with this. I I'll help you out. So I yeah. love, and again, I can't say Buffon because he kind of retired, but then he came out. But I always loved him. So he'll be my current player that's playing. Um, he's been a fantastic career. You know, the the players that Chidge and Clayton and all those guys that say that they love, you know, Zola's and Ed Nazar's because and Andy Saunders, the ones who make them get out of their seat. Ronaldinho was on another mm. level. And to be fair, I think mm. he just came out of retirement, so he's kind of screwing me over here. It's because he's poor now. Yeah, I yeah. know. But on his day, I still will watch highlights. And the things he was doing were so next level. And he was strong, too. So, like, defenders would try to put in tackles, and he would ride them. And this the magic he did with the ball, it was so, so... Like, no one was even comparable. So... Kakao was similar in that sense, but for me, it's, it's Ronaldinho. He, he's an absolute uh, head and shoulders above, um, you know, anyone else on the pitch at that point. So hopefully that helps you, Nick. No. Okay. No, it doesn't. You you picked you picked a very good one though, Dan. Do you have anything? Well, current I think player? with current, uh, I think the one who probably is most exciting. Um, maybe just shades a little bit above Mbappe just for like how interesting I think his career trajectory is going to be as Jao Felix for Atletico Madrid. That kid has some just absolutely insane mm-hmm. skills at, you know, 19 years of age. So I, I think he's going to, you know, score a lot of goals and eventually probably leave Madrid at some point to another big club. And uh, Hey, you know, I wouldn't mind if it was Chelsea at some point. Yeah. I would say, uh, cause I, I love defensive midfielders, 
Always have. I think Casemiro from Real Madrid is a really interesting player that I would not mind seeing lined up in blue. Um, Big, strong, has a really decent shot on him from from range. I, I think he's really interesting. Still trying to think of my my retired player, and I'm not not doing very well with it. I mean, it's, and, it's and making Serie A, you had Toddy, who's an absolute legend. That, that actually Maldini. was the one I was going to pick for for Nick. Clarence Seedorf. Oh, Seedorf, that's it. That's the one. Yeah. Fucking Seedorf was incredible. Good lord, yeah, Seedorf. By the great way, call. none of us great picked uh, Johan Cruyff. Was kind of a little bit slanderous to the game of football, but to be fair, he was before our time. Uh, hot takes question mark big Nash on discord saying what's your hot take on the Vardy versus Rooney international break bonanza and no we don't mean Jamie and Wayne we sure don't we mean Rebecca and Colleen (laughs) all right in case you missed it Colleen Rooney dropping an absolute bomb on Twitter she did this whole investigation said someone was leaking her her private life information to like the sun or the mirror some gossip tabloid and she literally got to the point where she had blocked everyone that was following her, except Rebecca Vardy was starting to leak some things, you know, was posting things falsely to see if they leaked. They did. And then she outed her with the hammer of justice, Dan. What better way to call someone out than a Twitter post? The best part of this was there was a hashtag, Wagasta uh, Christie. Like Agatha Christie, and that was the best thing to come out of all of this. Uh, beyond that, um, you know what? Uh, good for exposing someone for exploiting your private life. Yeah, I, I will say the the only winner out of this situation because it's incredibly sad that you know this is a thing. Wag, yeah, that the, this is a thing that wags have to do this. Uh, Borussia Dortmund. Oh yeah, uh, you know big. <laughs> Big fans of, of drama themselves have put out their own fake statement making fun of this, and it was fantastic. Would encourage you to read it. It's about their own admin and like all the shenanigans that they get up to. Super job. Yeah, no, it is great stuff. So obviously, we're all team uh, Vardy in this one because, I mean, hey, we're all here to make a buck. Am I right, Colleen? Lock it I down. Am. No better. Uh, just kidding. So just how good is this? K weaves 99 on discord saying, uh, how good do you think Chelsea will be when we have a fully fit team in the new year? Man, I hope it doesn't take until 2020 for us to be fully fit. Uh, do you think we'll be top four contenders? Would the champions league quarterfinals be a realistic option? Love to hear the pods thoughts on this. So, uh, Nick, your turn to be pushed into the corner on this. Uh, again, if we are fully healthy, which also includes N'Golo Kante not going to France duty and getting hurt in the warm-up. Uh, top four or contenders. Or uh, yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, any of these guys. Yeah. Add the list. Uh, definitely top four contenders. I don't know about the Champions League. I mean, the Champions League is the hardest one to predict because you don't know what the round of 16 matchup is going to be. Uh, we also have to get out of our group before we really think about that. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say probably top four contenders, probably a deep run in the FA Cup because old Frank loved himself in FA Cup. I think that's Dan. fair. I think those are uh, all fair things to say. I think, you know, it would be shocking to me if we weren't a top four contender at the end of the calendar year, beginning of 2020. And I imagine we do advance out of our group. Hopefully we get a favorable draw, but 
you know, we're Chelsea and that usually does not happen to us. So, I mean, we get Manchester United in the Carabao Cup for the next round. So, you know how that goes. I I generally think, though, that we will be, I think we will continue to surprise and delight fans and not just our fans, but fans of watching competitive football and watching this young English core really gel. I think there's a lot of people who look at us now, Brandon, who are more excited about Chelsea or maybe have lost a little bit of that that hate towards us because some of the things that have gone on in the past uh, couple months. I mean, you have to assume that Angola Conte being fully fit in this scenario is a huge boost, obviously. Uh, having Rudiger gives us depth uh, at center back, which, oddly enough, we're not sure who's going to pair Tamori right now between Christensen and Zuma. Like, whatever alternate reality that is, is amazing. Um, you know, I don't think Ruben have, will have a big role this season, nor should he. I think he should be given all of the time in the world to, to slowly come back and be back for the long term. Um, who else is out on Emerson the- coming back? Right. So that just adds depth to the left back position, which is good to know that we have Kovacic. Yeah. Because healthy. he's in and out. Right. It's just midfield depth. I mean, the biggest thing is probably staying fit, right? Not only getting the guys back to fitness, but staying fit will be really important. Um, and just, and you look at it, it's all upside. I've kind of said this before spurs. They're all kind of downside. And United, they don't really have any upside. It's they do have a ton of injuries as well. I just I think top four right now we're on track. We're looking good for it, and I'd like to take that money and run with it if I could. All right, bit of a loaded question here. If you could add one non EPL player to the squad, how would you spend some cash that we've accumulated? So Melhouse on Discord saying, again, if you could add one player to your squad who's not currently playing in the Premier League. Who would it be? So if you think of possessional depth and maybe where we could use some help. um, Who's the best left back in the world? um, I know Marcelo makes the all UEFA team, but like he's on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. I mean, you still, you still have, um, it's not Sergio Roberto, but whoever's on the other short Spanish guy on Barcelona's left back, Jordi Alba. I mean, he is, he's pretty fantastic. No. Yeah, but he's very very set for the Spain League or for um, La Liga. I'm trying to think of someone who would just be dominant at left back, and if not, then I would take Koulibaly. You take, like, um, was it um, Benfica's? Grimaldo would be one. It's kind of up and coming as a left back. I know, like Alex Tellis was rumored for some time. It's been like, a that long would time be, rumor. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. But I, I would take someone defensively. Um, I, I feel okay about kind of the attack right now. But I think if you have a dominant ball playing center back, we saw what that did for, for Liverpool. Or if you had a really good left wing back who, or left back who was able to, to get up and down, I think that would be really great too. Uh, yeah, the, the answer is probably think still the same as it's been for a while. If you could get Mbappe and bring him to Chelsea, I would take him in a heartbeat. And that's yeah. nothing against Tammy. I think Tammy is showing that he is absolutely a Premier League striker. But wouldn't it be cool to maybe play with two up top? I, I know, Nick, it's not it's allowed. Illegal. It's the illegal. The rules prevent it. But <laughs> if, let's say, we could get the rules rewritten for next season, that would be kind of cool. Well, there, there'd be a lot of speed up there, Brandon. <laughs> a lot of speed. Right. 
So Brantley Pollock on Twitter also piggybacked on this and said, would you use the hazard money on a world-class player or would you spread it out to buy cover or competition for multiple positions? That's where I'm going to jump world in. World-class player. Oh, absolutely. Right. We don't want to, we don't want Zappacostas and drink waters anymore. Right. That's what Spurs went and did with their bail money. And it was a disaster. What we want to do is go out and get players that you can't breed through the academy consistently because they're a rarity. They're one in a million type players, and that's what you need. To, to, to absolutely, I mean, you can have a good academy, but Barcelona still needed Messi, right? They still needed, no, he's kind of La Masia for a while, but you still need outside players to jump in and round out the youth with that. So uh, a lot of you asked about the transfers, so we just picked the top two for names. Uh, obviously, uh, shout-outs to all of you. Huge question. Let us know what you think. I, I like to go position. I'm not very good at a scout. I'll say, hey, I think, Nick, you're right. We identified left back. If you could get an attacking forward or winger, I also agree with that too, Dan. Um, so let us know what positions maybe you think, or if you have a, a burner on a player, let us know as well. We always love a good little Joe Tweeds insight on that one. All right, Chase UD14 on Discord, really trying to upset the apple cart. Uh, saying what is the best place in Kansas City to get barbecue? Which I I this has to go to you, Nick. None of us really Nick, have Nick the ideas. I think I may be able to isn't the best answer to say to go to Texas and get the barbecue there? Austin. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know that Dan was gonna get cancelled on the podcast this early on, but I should have seen it coming. Um <laughs> Well, just wish Dan good luck, guys. It's been it's been great knowing him. All right, top three. Um, uh, so it depends on the thing. Like when you guys visited me, I kind of took you around to different spots. So my top three is as follows. If you're looking for the best barbecue thing that you're going to have, uh, then that is the Z-Man sandwich at Oklahoma Joe's. Uh, it is fantastic. It has an onion ring, some, some smoked cheese on there. Duh, delight. Um, get it in brisket, pulled pork, or anything else. My mouth is watering thinking about this. Uh, the best like sit-down kind of elevated barbecue is going to be Q39, so you're going to want to hit that up. They have great meats. Uh, you'll leave there in a meat coma. And then the, the wild card, the barbecue brunch, which if you're a brunch person like I am, it should be intriguing, is, uh, is going to be Char Bar. They have a uh, burnt end egg benedict that will uh, rock your face off it'll make you forget about all other forms of barbecue because they don't exist so um there's that and enjoy take them up on it we visited them and they are all fantastic meat coma at after that trip it was a agreed delight um at v factor 7 on twitter saying i'd like to know each of your views on being patient and what period do y'all consider is good enough for a coach to sort out absolutely everything within a team i.e set pieces defense attacking transitions etc so more or less he just doesn't know how nick how much patience do you have for frank within this environment right now one season six months two years ten years sign him for life the shashevsky contract what are we looking at here uh, i mean i think it's it's a weird balance right the the thing you don't want to do is that you, you don't want to have a guy who's just so locked in that he doesn't ever have to change or get pushed. Like Pochettino right now. 100%, right? So that's a bad thing. Um, but you also don't want the, you don't want him looking over his shoulder every day wondering if he's going to be the manager. Like, that can't happen either. So I think if a manager, you know, if I were the owner and a manager came to me with a three-year plan that was 
you know, executable and that would require, you know, a little bit of luck because everything you, you have to have a little bit of good fortune. But, you know, he had a really solid plan for how he's going to progress year one, year two, year three. Then once year three hit and if it went well, we would have a talk about, you know, maybe a longer term kind of deal. Um, but I think specifically for Frank Dan, he has this year as a as a freebie. And I would want to see with the transfer window open next summer, I'd want to see some significant progress in the way that we buy players and train players and hopefully by the end of next season be legitimate title contenders again. Yeah, I, I think to the point that uh, Vignette was asking about, I think you look at the last match that we played and it feels like forever ago, but we saw a little bit of a mixed man plus zonal marking on a set piece. So to, to me, patience is about uh, continuing to see levels of improvement or innovation or trying things. I think the moment that that pattern breaks and you see that the same thing is happening and nothing new is being trialed and the results are consistent, either they're bad to watch or they're not producing the right results or we're not moving forward or gaining ground on our competitors or we're kind of falling back in that. And that's where the patience probably starts to to run dry in my mind. But I think as long as there's even just incremental, you know, match to match, player for you know, player level improvement, a tactic level improvement, Brandon, all of that is everything I need to see to feel very, very comfortable with where we're where we're heading. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean I think uh, I've already said it like this season for sure, regroup in the summer. And I think you give them essentially, you know, leading up into the January transfer window next season. As long as the wheels haven't fallen off, like we're in as good of a spot as we could realistically expect to be. Um, you know, I, I would I would like to see the set piece defending get better quicker. I don't expect that to take another 12, 14 months. Uh, I think the defense is settling better. We, we've now had a clean sheet. All right. Surprise. Hooray. Uh, the attack has always been clicking, right? I think um, Yannick put something out on Twitter that I think we have like the second most shots behind Liverpool or City, something like that. Uh, and look, the transitions, we cleaned that up real quick. It was ugly. Like, look how bad that Man United loss looks right now. And that was almost all down to transition. Same with a couple of the early draws. So again, uh, I think he will have this team, uh, you know, when he has everyone healthy consistently, um, humming on along a lot better by the end of the season. But, but that leads right into this one from Draw Sam on Discord saying, do you think the youth revolution will continue to be a club philosophy after the transfer ban? Uh, has gone away. He, the way I look at it, Dan, is that if it works, it's the new strategy. It, it, it will be, whatever works will be the strategy until it doesn't work, right? Like, and then you have to find a new strategy. But as long as we have a pipeline of quality youth that can integrate and play at this level, Chelsea don't need to change it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it until it's broke. Right. I, I, so I think the, the challenge is going to be the length of contracts existing of the players in front of them, the amount of players that you actually can put and get the appropriate level of minutes. I, mean, I think you know people are already looking at Connor Gallagher and his start at uh, Charlton this season, thinking, "Oh, is he going to potentially have a run up into the the first team next season?" He could. I mean, like again, nothing is outside the realm of possibility of happening. But if we have the opportunity to go out and buy a, a ready-made you know, top starter in one of the the top four leagues, we might go and do that because we have the opportunity to do it. 
And I think we, again, it's about being patient. It's about understanding larger perspective and that this is kind of a generational shift and it's going to be really weird to see how we respond to it next season because we went with the only option was to bring in the youth players. And now that we have another option next season, that's going to be where I think we can truly start to identify how Chelsea will operate moving forward, which my personal belief is adding one to two massively influential players, top of their their game, that you cannot produce in the academy, as we mentioned earlier, and that every other position is filled by someone through the academy because that's 30 to 40 million pounds you're not spending on a backup that you can then invest in the wages and the transfer fee for someone absolutely exceptional. Well, it's it's about it's about that you know to me when I, when I think back to the old you know kind of the t- 2005 on spine of the team when you when you listen to interviews with John Terry and Frank Lampard and Michael Ballack and all these guys it was about the competition Joe Cole told us that it was about every day having to show up and prove that you deserve to be in the eleven. And there were some days where Joe Cole wasn't in the 11, you know, there were some days where he was the best player on the pitch. You know, it's, we, we had Eden Hazard here resting on his, uh, on his laurels and knowing that he was going to start every game because he was the best player on the team. And he was never really challenged for that. Um, you know, there were times where he went off the boil and still started. So it, I think it's about building that competition. It's about Tammy keeping that hunger. If Mbappe comes in and, and knowing that he has to be, better than Mbappe to play. And if he is, then he's going to be a damn monster. I mean, like, like that's the fun part is like competition's not bad. Competition's great. Um, and that's what you'd hope to build. So to wrap it up, um, as you talk about sides previous, uh, the cutoff side podcast at CO soccer pod asks us, if you could go back in time, what era of Chelsea would you like to revisit? Unfortunately for us, this might be, a bit of a unanimous decision. Um, but I'm going to open it up because, you know, Chelsea have a lot of history. All right. So it doesn't, you know, just keep that in mind. But uh, Nick. I, I don't think it will be a unanimous decision. Um, surprise me. I I would like to go back to the Kings of the Kings Road era, 1970-71, where Chelsea were able to, uh, to, you know, obviously win the FA Cup. And, you know, we're, you know, we've heard from Rick Glanville about how crazy the, the celebrations were after that. And I would love to, to party with those guys and, and understand kind of that perspective, beating leads over two legs and, you know, all the all the afters that went into that. I think that would be phenomenal. Someone almost died. Literally, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, plugging Glanville. I'd be there to catch him. Yeah, plugging Glanville's walking history tour, which you should do. Uh, Dan. I feel like you might have been along the same path, judging by your reaction there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, again, it's the first FA Cup, the 1970 final, that required a replay since 1912 at that point. And, yeah, I I mean, it was a a 2-2 draw versus Leeds. They go to play it again. Chelsea win 2-1. At Old Trafford was the, the second location. You would have had a chance to see Peter Osgood. You would have had a chance to see you know, Bonetti, uh, Ron Harris, you know, just uh, McCready. You would have been able to see an, an incredible lineup and probably partied your ass off. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's probably the one where you know, we, we all have a, you know, Munich slash Champions League 
story that we have to share and while like doing it in person would be absolutely special in a, a different type of way but just to see something that we've only heard stories about and you know seen archival footage at this point that's the type of thing that uh, you know if you did have the option to time travel a little bit that definitely would be worth revisiting well look i'm gonna take the the obvious one you know and have to go the you know marino's first two seasons uh, that is you know because that was like a huge change you know they'd had some success but that was like no no no, we're the gold standard now and just being there you know kind of riding high knowing that you can go toe-to-toe with anyone in in england let alone you know in europe back then but i think if any of us got to choose the single greatest moment in Chelsea's history, you know, to this point is the 2012 Champions League final and getting to talk to some of the, the people that have been there and watched it uh, and just the most incredible stories. Um, and, and, you know, it's the it's it's that's what it's all about right now in club football until there's a new super trophy. <laughs> that is it. That is the biggest prize there. So, but again, just being so dominant with so the so many exciting players back then, um, it's brilliant. So, and and I you know I want to hear from you guys because I think there's a lot of periods throughout Chelsea's history that were exciting, and it doesn't have to be the best time, but just let's start sharing moments of well, what were the good times, and we can kind of use that to rally us into the Premier League coming back this week. Uh, Cause I think that'd be a fun little exercise. So um, again, thank you to everyone for your questions. That was so fantastic. Uh, love doing these kind of off topic on topic pods. Uh, you guys do such a great job with it. Uh, so to wrap it up, we do have a couple shout outs to some friends, Nick, that uh, I would like you to bestow upon them on our behalf. Yeah, absolutely. Big, big days for uh, Louis Beneventi, um, who now, I guess, runs the Chelsea Echo. Um, and then uh, Jean Lolachon, they both graduated university. So props to them. That's awesome. Uh, congratulations. Who, who and, graduates and goes to Wembley? Like what? What is that a thing? I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, my mine was held at the old Bob Devaney Sports Center in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, not not quite the same. No, good for you so, guys. Uh, uh, no, but a, hu- yeah. a huge congrats, obviously, to to those two. And um, yeah, if there's anyone else graduating in October in the United States, I think that's a, a little non-traditional. But congrats to you too. Uh, thank you so much for your your questions. Uh, thanks for engaging with us. Uh, we have a lot of exciting things to come. Uh, your way through the end of the season but it all comes back to Premier League that's all we want so we will be back with the return of the Premier League season you can count on us so until next time Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high